Greetings, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. All right, so we will begin with a few prayers. Om Sahana Avatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahaviryam Karavavahai Tejasvi Navadita Mastu Mavid Vishavahai Om Shanti 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 Om Saraswati Namastupyam Varade Kamarupini Vidya Rambam Karishyami Siddhir Pavatu Mesada Om All right, so welcome, and uh, I've got I've got many questions that you wrote in, uh, but I'm uh, I'm going to first entertain the live questions. Um, so if you want to write your write it in the chat or uh, unmute and ask me your question. <laughs> the Dear DG starts, Dear David. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about here? What's on your mind? What's puzzling you? Um, is it OK to ask a question if I sent it by email? Um, yeah, do, ask me your question. Go ahead. Okay, wow. All right, let's do this. Okay. Hi, dear David. I've got a question. So, uh, it's about pranayama. And um, I've done that video course of yours. And I just want to clarify things with the Jalandara Bandha. Um, there seems to be no Jalandara Bandha, Jalandara Bandha, Jalandara Bandha position. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Get, uh, uh, yes, I remember your question. So she, her question, you guys, it's about Jalandhara Bandha, like when to apply it. And um, she's saying that um, she's been taught to raise her head up when she's not in the retention. All right, but, um, but in my video, I keep my head down the whole time. All right, and, uh, and so for one thing, um, and this pertains to all of your questions, actually, there, there's a lot of, there isn't just one way to do things for the most part. And, um, so, and you're kind of walking a line between uh, experimenting kind of um, exploring, exercising your curiosity, um, trying different options versus uh, kind of honing in on what's best, what actually works. So it's not just a kind of anything goes, it's all good. 
But at the same time, there's, you've got to, there's a lot of different ways you can approach these things. Okay, and so Jalantar Banda is a perfect example. Okay, so in that video, in my video, I keep the head down um, throughout, but I'm applying the Banda um, at different times more strongly than others. Okay, and, but also you can bring your head up and um, make a level position for your uh, head and neck and uh, give a rest. Because that Jalandhar Bandha, that's a hard, uh, hard move, actually. Seems simple, but it's uh, challenging to uh, keep your neck uh, free of tension and to lower your chin. Uh, so you can raise your head up in between. You can experiment with that and then lock down at the, at the strategic moments. Um, or, and then you can also keep the head down for longer periods of time and uh, apply the banda more subtly. Like, um, so just be, so your head, be, your head being down and lowered is kind of one level of uh, stopping energy. Right, but then you can go further by like really uh, locking your chin onto the notch between the collarbones, and um, and putting a lot of vigor or force behind the move. Okay, so hopefully that answers your question. Okay, and so and so somebody asks practicing with scoliosis and with um, disc problems and things, um, and. Um, so, see, the thing about it is every single one of us has uh, some set of limits that we are working with, okay? And, um, and in fact, it's, see, this is the thing, is one of the reasons that we practice is to encounter our limits uh, skillfully, intelligently, soulfully, okay? And so, and it's very easy to get the mentality that, and I, I think to a certain degree, popular yoga and even social media, it sort of uh, implies that yoga is joy, joyousness or bliss, or, and, that, and that yoga like heals you and fixes everything about you and, um, and so when we, every single one of us gets on our mat though, we encounter all kinds of broken downness, okay? All kinds of suffering and pains and uh, afflictions and hardship. And then we think something's wrong with us and that we shouldn't feel that way or that we can't, that somehow we can't, we're, it's, we're not okay or that we're doing it wrong. And, um, and that's not at all true. Okay, so, and in fact, if we have that attitude that somehow we're doing something wrong and we shouldn't be in pain, or um, then that takes away from our effectiveness in negotiating our limits. And this is the thing about yoga is that and, and Ashtanga, okay, especially the way that I teach it, 
Ashtanga can, uh, Ashtanga, be, and as a representative of yoga, you can do Ashtanga with any limit. <laughs> okay? And, in, and scoliosis is, is a big one, especially if it's very pronounced. And, um, and same with um, degenerating discs or spinal problems. Okay, these are, um, these are things you can't ignore and uh, that you really have to uh, be sensible in your approach. And I'm, I marvel or I'm shocked or horrified um, at how, especially people that are younger or more able that have like scoliosis or things, they'll they kind of buy into the, the more standard Ashtanga model of just do your practice and go to the furthest extent um, and, um, and it's all going to be good. <laughs> and that can be, and, and what's, that, that mentality, it's amazing what you can do for some period of time. It can, you can practice for months or years doing, um, surprisingly advanced asanas and um, without really too much ill effect. But the accumulation, okay, down the road, <laughs> this doesn't work. Okay, and you can say that the greater the limits you have, the more you work with the basics. And I, this is my whole pr approach to teaching. Okay, that I, I give you this foundation in the very basics of, of yoga. So I teach you um, about practicing with a neutral pelvis and a neutral spinal column. And so that when you, when you forward bend or you back bend or you twist, you're doing it with awareness and you, you understand um, everything in degrees and in, and in uh, very precise degrees. Okay, so... Because with, with scoliosis, like your spine is, is crooked, okay? So it means that there's a, a definite like imbalance built in, right? So we all have a certain amount of imbalance. The, the right and the left is different and all kinds of di little discrepancies, okay? But, um, but if someone with, with scoliosis, those discrepancies can be more pronounced and so really then they want to stay closer to neutral. Okay, and, and you see, this is the thing too. I'm talking to you from the heart here, to your heart. You see, this is, this is an amazing thing about, about life and about yoga, which is that the universe will never give you a limit meanly. <laughs> okay, so that, you, in other words, to put it this way, you have all the equipment you need to walk your individual path in yoga and in life. Okay? And, and this includes every limit that, that you have. And this is the hardest part to... Uh, to relate to, but 
this includes your mistakes. Okay, so, right, because to a certain degree, you can accept a limit that is genetic or something, right? But then think of the limits that we've created by our choices, like by the uh, consequences of the mistakes that we've made and that have got us into trouble and um, we've hurt ourselves, and right? And, um, and so, but even those, every moment you have what you need. But you see, what, what happens is, is we, we don't have faith in that, or we don't trust. And so we keep trying to do things in our practice, in our choices that are the wrong, they're not suitable for our body, or our, our, our circumstance, and this is how we get into trouble. So you approach your limits, your limits very um, consciously and um, with faith, and you find the suitable step, the, the, stu- the suitable ways to work on the postures that, um, that kind of lead towards healing. Okay, so that's, how about that, Lucia? Yes, this is great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, this helps a lot. And I was writing that in the chat, so I'll also put that in the chat. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, okay, here we go with another one. Dear David, I, I feel fear when I attempt backbends like kapotasana and dropbacks. Through practice, it has gotten better. And I wonder if it could further work with it using any kind of visualization or mantra to help me get through that fearful state and trust that I will be okay. All right, so look here, Victoria. I, I, you, I think you, somebody else wrote me about the mantra. Okay, so you gotta understand something. You, okay, so for me, I'm sorry, I'm, so, I also, I give you little um, stingers here once in a while, okay? So, but in short, my answer that like chanting Om Namah Shivaya as you go back in Kapotasana is probably not going to help you that much, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect to Shiva. And I'll, but I'll tell you why. Um, I'll tell you why. And certainly it's not, you, it's not that you don't want to do that. Do it, for sure, if you want. But, you see, here's the, here's the thing you've got to keep in mind. And see, people always mistake this. Get this, you guys. You see, people treat, people basically disregard asana. Okay, they, we, they treat asana like it's this physical thing. Like it's just, it's not spiritual. And the, so it's just this physical thing that you do for your body. And then the spiritual part of yoga is somewhere else over here, like uh, chanting mantras or studying the sutras or uh, playing the harmonium or whatever you have it. And so, but... See, this is the mistake, is that an asana is a yantra. 
Okay, and uh, there's only one letter difference between mantra and yantra. And basically, they're exactly the same thing. Okay, so a mantra is a device, it's a sound device for meditation and focusing the mind and for prayer. But a yantra is a visual, it's a form that you meditate on and it's as a form of prayer. Okay, so get this. When you activate your legs in Kapotasana and activate your arms and really work with your uh, spinal gesture, when you do all the physical things that go into making that posture, that is mantra. Okay, and that's a mantra, a yantra that directly pertains to what you are doing. <laughs> okay, and so that is going to protect you. That's how you are going to make a better play for dealing with your fear. Okay, so not chanting something just, <laughs> right? So anyway, that's my take on that. All right. Okay, so here we go on to the next. Okay, all right. So, I mean, I, I think I answered this, but I'll just go with it here for read it to you. So what's your yoga advice for mid-50s practitioner that's currently spending more time on, on a sitting meditation? It's more time with the sitting meditation. Okay, I do get on my mat, but with shorter asana practices for the time being. For the time being. Um, only full practice on the weekends. It feels right, but I do want to keep a minimum maintenance asana practice. No worries, and keep doing what feels right at the time. That's my own heartfelt advice. Okay, so, so you guys, this is the thing. Um, so remember that there's branches of yoga, okay, four main ones. And you can say that, um, so... They're hatha yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, and uh, karma yoga. All right, and to a certain degree, they're all in one. Okay, so if you do hatha yoga, you do, that's bhakti yoga, that's jnana yoga, and that is also karma yoga. Okay, but, but, but then there, it's a useful um, division. Okay, and so sitting meditation, you can say that's jnana yoga. That's the J-N-A-N-A, jnana, which means uh, knowledge. And um, it's also raja yoga, raja yoga, si sitting, sitting down in one position, and, and that's your yoga, internal awareness. Okay, and, um, and to a certain degree, like the, the hatha yoga pradipika, it, it the very beginning, it's the very first line of the book. It says that you use Hatha Yoga to climb up the staircase to the high pinnacled Raja Yoga. And, um, and then, but it also says things later in the book like, without Hatha Yoga, there's no Raja Yoga. And without Raja Yoga, there's no Hatha Yoga. And, and so these two aspects of practice are deeply connected, sitting and doing the hatha yoga, the, the postures and the breathing and vinyasa and mudras and, and such. Okay, and so every person, get this, you, people, 
everyone is going to find their own balance, their own ratio. Okay? And you have to take responsibility for it. Okay? And to me, there's no hierarchy. Okay? And this is what I'm saying before in my last answer. People put the Hatha Yoga down eventually. They go, Hatha Yoga is fine when you're young. It's a physical thing. But when you're going to get to the real yoga, you're going to meditate or something. And this is false to me. Okay? This to, it, and you, it, it, Hatha Yoga... Hatha yoga is meditation, okay? It doesn't lead to meditation. It is meditation if you want it to be, okay? But if you want to sit, if you're called to sit, well, there's no problem there either, okay? Um, and, and he does point out something true that the, the discipline of Hatha yoga requires consistency and long-term devotion, okay? And so if you give it up, if you leave your asana practice behind for the longer, the, you know, six months, one year, five years, well, then your body won't do those things as easily when you try to go back to it. And um, so, you're, so you want to choose wisely. And to me, it's, for me, it's all based on the love of the subject. And me, I love Hatha Yoga. And, 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 though, I would not love Hatha Yoga if meditation, sitting still, was not in the center of it. Okay, so for me, even though I do so much asanas, and I don't really have a separate seated meditation practice at all, um, I love that seated meditation, that image, and that I, I, I draw on that all of the time when I'm in headstand, when I'm in shoulder stand, all these poses, okay? But I'm also making my own choice, and I, I am telling you, that's what you have to do for yourself, okay? And do not let anybody tell you that you have to drop your asana practice to get to be a serious yogi. It's just not true. Or, I don't know, I'll, I'll die making that mistake if it is true. <laughs> All right, so onward we go. Okay, so here's one. How do you recommend taking responsibility for it? I'm not sure what it is, but let's see what it's saying. Without having a studio or a teacher in, in, in person. Um, if you're not close to a teacher or... Okay, so this, Stephen, he's in my Ashtanga Foundations, Mysore Foundations class. So, hey, Stephen. And so he's asking about, if you don't have a studio or a teacher in person, then how do you take responsibility? And... Another person wrote me about that, of saying like she's moving away from her teacher and only has a, some community or something. Um, and again, I can tell you, uh, my entire method of teaching is built around um, giving you the power to practice on your own. Okay, um, I when I teach you, I imagine you're. You're um, Tom Hanks, 
and cast away. <laughs> You're stuck on an island. No internet. No, no guru. Only coconut trees or whatever. Or maybe snow caves. <laughs> and um, what are you going to do? You're going to remember DG's principles. No, I'm serious. I, so it's very possible for every one of you that's here to, to approach your practice very systematically and have a, a robust, thriving, um, healthy practice without a teacher and without a studio. Okay? And, but it takes training. And um, so in, it's funny, he mentioned COVID at the end, like COVID times. And I, I can tell you, I have about in the neighborhood of 10, 10 people that have basically taken every online class I've offered since COVID began. It's approximately two years. And those individuals, some of them are in here, Jackie and Tara, they, <laughs> you, I just, I cannot believe what they've learned in two years. And um, I can safely say that Jackie, Tara, if you, if you're stuck by yourself somewhere, I have no worry about you being able to practice yoga. And, um, and so, so, so it is, and I like how, Stephen, how you said that, that you have to take responsibility for it. And you do. And there's, but to me, there's a body of knowledge. There's a way to self-monitor. Okay? And you can learn it. It takes about two years with me, I would say. And... Um, if you really embrace what I'm showing you, two years later, you'll know how to practice. Okay. And then Jackie, she asks, um, I, I like this question. Your advice for, uh, or the process when you feel extreme inertia or Thomas Guna in practice. Okay. So, see, there, I have some different... Um, takes on yoga than many, many people, and even uh, the different um, lineages. See, because so you have these gunas, right? Three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas. So three strands that weave together in all different combinations and make the universe. Okay, so the whole material world in yoga philosophy is said to be made of tamas, rajas, and sattva. And, and, and all of the texts, all, all except for one, actually, uh, or one author, they, they make sattva guna, so this is the, the, the quality of um, lightness or harmony, and um, it's like the color white, purity. Uh, that's the hero. So you... So all yoga practice, it's all about sattva guna. And so rajas is activity, tamas is inertia, and both of those are basically evil, right? That tamas guna is about depression and lethargy and sluggishness, 
right? And um, rajas is about worry and fear and anxiety and busyness and tension. And that's a good model. Okay, that's a good model. And so when you use that model, then Jackie, so then you, you combat inertia with rajas, trying to create this kind of balance that creates a sattva. So, so when you're feeling that lethargy, you get busy, you activate, you uh, do the, like what I have you do that outside sound breathing. Instead of ujjayi, you go, and so you kind of fight through that inertia, and um, you try to find a sattvic state. Okay, and um, a lot of my teaching encourages that. Like when I talk about, um, well, and on Ashtanga itself, it's a whole system basically based on overcoming Thomas. <laughs> That's what vinyasa is. Okay, but, and what happens though in Ashtanga, you see, this is what a funny thing, but um, there are so many vinyasas that we, we, we stop putting energy into them. They just come so fast and furious that we just start going on automatic and um, start doing them either with a kind of rajas or Thomas vibe. But that's not the spirit of it. Okay, so Ashtanga you're, and Vinyasa, Vinyasa is, uh, it really is to pay attention to your movements, how you transition into poses, and to, to actually use movement to create the pose. Okay, and so, so the Vinyasa itself is an answer to inertia. Uh, Jackie. And um, the whole crouch, I have the, I call it vinyasas, the art of the crouch, where you prepare for action and spring, and you go into pure action. And so, and it's when, and you make every transition count. You bring power and um, awareness and expressiveness to it. Okay, and that helps you to um, overcome inertia. Okay, but now, I'll go back to where I was headed with this before, which is, there's one author that I love, um, his name is, is a Frenchman, his name was Alain Danielou, and he has a book about the myths and gods and goddesses of India. And in that book, that man, he points out, he, he turns the whole model of the gunas upside down. And he shows you how Thomas Guna is the, is the highest Guna because Chitta Vritti Nirodaha, that yoga is a state of absolute stillness. Of, uh, the mind is, goes silent and the, all the activity stops. So you can say that the state of yoga is a state of pure inertia, pure Thomas Guna. Um, and um, holy, it's when, it's, it's when you make inertia holy. <laughs> it's the goal, Jackie. <laughs> inertia is the goal of yoga, not the enemy, right? And so, to a certain degree, see, this is a real strategy, Jackie. 
So when you, um, when you feel tired, you feel heavy, you actually incorporate that into what you're doing. Okay, so you don't just try to fight through it and bring a lot of energy to it. No, you, you actually go with it because grounding and weightedness, you, uh, you embrace it somehow and you, you work with it. And, uh, and this is one of the reasons that I, I talk to you in the postures is that there's, there's this dual quality that you're, you're always seeking for, the mutual arising of opposites. Okay, so that you're, you're at, the, on one hand, you're full of vigor. The whole body is charged, dynamic. So you're lengthening and strengthening. The, the whole body is activated um, to make your pose. And you, you use your mind like a probe, scan through everywhere, waking up all the parts. Okay, but at the same time, you're dropping like a, like a rag doll. You have total uh, inertia, okay? And you want both of those uh, qualities to arise in the same uh, moment. Full action and no action. All right. So that somebody asked about, do you have advice on how to calm down a two- intense rajasic practice without losing the engagement and I just talked to you about that all right and you it's not easy to do right you have to practice <laughs> um, so, so um, Ashley is that Ashley or Casey I wonder who's actually doing that but they're saying may I chant like a martial artist does during a strike Something before executing a vinyasa to help me address my near end of practice inertia? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. So, so you guys, um, if you're in my class, you know that um, I'm, I'm having you do what I call uh, the, it's a mudra. Okay, so mudra is a gesture right? And um, it's called uh, Simha, Simha Mukti Mudra. <laughs> Simha Mukta Mudra. And so Simha is the lion, right? And that's the Mukta's face. So the lion-faced gesture, all right? And so that's this, it's when you make a terrible face. You, and you bug out your eyes and stick out your tongue. And you, you bring this horrible tension to your face. And um, I like doing it on the exhalation. Okay? And um, you can do this throughout your practice, and if it's Casey or Ashley, I think it's Casey asking that, not Ashley. That's my, imagine, my imagining. But 
Yeah, you can do that. It's like a chant, actually. It's, but it's, a, it's a, both a mantra and a yantra in one. Okay, and, and remember, yeah, you, you, so you can do things to wake yourself up. <laughs> this, Jordan, Jordan, he will not, he's not going to let me off the hook here. He's like asking it in all these different ways. Jordan, I don't, he's asking me about fasting. And I don't fast much, honestly. I, I kind of wish I did, but I don't. And um, I, do, I do eat some, some reasonably sparingly. And, um, and I eat simple foods so that I don't burden my digestion too much, or I try not to anyway. And, um, and he's asking me, do I do it to increase Agni? And you guys that know me, do you think I need to increase my Agni? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but that, I do think that um, very moderate fasting is an excellent yoga uh, device. And, and I, I wish that I made more use of it, honestly. Um, but, but I don't think extreme fasting is a good idea. I think healthy, um, moderate food, starting from there, and, or centering yourself there, is... Uh, is the way to go, and then if you can mount to it, then a little once a week or once a month, one day. Um, and you can also do little mini fasts, though, and drink water and um, just throughout the day. It's just try to have periods of time where you keep your digestion as quiet as, as possible. Okay, so this, uh, this is kind of a long, where I'm at, uh, somebody asked me this, Kelly, Kelly, hi Kelly, if you're there, asked me this question, it's a series of questions, and I'll kind of ask, they're about me and my practice, so I'm going to try to ask, answer them very uh, briefly, actually, and sort of small, um, so do, do I practice at the same time every day? Um, I would say, for the most part. Okay, I'm not really that strict on it I'm, or militant, but just by the way that I structure my day, I, I generally practice at the same time. But I, I don't do it like I set an alarm clock and I'm on there at 4 a.m. every morning. I, but it ends up being I practice early in the morning, okay? And, and it's variable. Sometimes that means 5 o'clock. Or sometimes it means eight. Um, okay, then um, do you practice first thing in the morning? Yes. Although um, what I do now um, for some time, and I really like it, is I go for a walk first. Okay, so the very first thing I do when I wake up, I just put on my shoes and I go for a walk. Okay, and that's about uh, 20 minutes or maybe a little longer some days, and then that, then I go practice, okay? Um, do I ever practice more than once, in a, once a day? 
I often practice more than once a day. Um, and um, I will tell you that over the years, my practice has changed. And so I cannot say that I do like the traditional, very sweaty, um, kind of two hour of intense Ashtanga practice. And so um, I do, I practice outside mostly and even in the winter. And, um, and so um, I, yeah, I just have to qualify it with, with that is that um, I don't, so, but I do, I, I practice def, uh, very often in the morning and then again in the afternoon or evening. Uh, Yes. Okay. And um, but not. But don't get the idea. I don't. <laughs> I don't do like first series or second series in the morning, and then no, do that later. No, nothing like that. And um, and I'll tell you a quick story about that. Is that I did do that when I started Ashtanga. And um, so and I started Ashtanga with the founder. Uh, I went to Los Angeles when he was on tour. And I'd never done Ashtanga before. I just walked right into the master's uh, class. And, um, and I was so just blown away by the whole thing. I'd never encountered anything like Ashtanga. It was in 1993. It was a long time ago before vinyasa was so popular. And certainly Ashtanga wasn't popular. And, um, and so... I would go and pr I would practice with in the morning, but then I would go do it later in the park, too, and um, and then I went to Maui after the I went to Los Angeles, followed him, and um, and I really wanted to do second series for some reason. I don't even know how I learned about second series because I didn't even know primary series really, and so I asked him. I was like, "Can I come? Can I do second series?" And he said, oh, I'm looking your practice. And um, so he, so I went up to him after and he, uh, and I said, well, can I do it? And I guess he didn't see my practice. So he goes, yes, yes, you come. So I go to second series and I'm like totally lost. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not flexible. I mean, I, I didn't even practice primary really, right? And so... And I had seen these videos of, of him adjusting people in the poses, you know, like, and I was like, and people doing those advanced poses, like, and I was, I was only like 28 or something, I, and I really wanted to do all the advanced poses, you know? And so, so I thought he was gonna like put me in the poses, you know? And so we come, somehow I survived that lead class up to Ekapada Shirshasana, right? where you put your leg behind your head. And then he comes over to me right then, right in front of me. And um, like, I, you guys, my Buddha Konasana, my, here's my knees and here's my pelvis. I was like this, okay? I had not even the slightest prayer of putting my leg behind my head. And so he goes, yes, you do. He just stood there and I thought he was gonna like come crank my leg behind my head for me, you know? Thank God he didn't, but, um, but I couldn't do it, not even close. And he goes, 
long time primary you do. Bad men. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And, um, and also, he, I asked him about practicing twice a day. If that was a good idea. He said, no, very danger. Very danger. So, um, so, when I say I practice twice in a day, it's not like a full-on Ashtanga practice. But, you guys, being outside in my backyard temple, that's my favorite place to be. Okay, and so I, it's a good day when I get back out there a second time and, and do some little th stuff. All right? Okay, so how long do I typically practice? Okay, so all of these questions, you, you, you guys, you've got to understand. You probably already do understand. And maybe that's why you're here. DG is a renegade. <laughs> all right? I, I, like, discipline and structure, all of these things are hard for me. Not easy. Okay, and me, I go, and, and a lot of you were, wrote to me and asked me about, like, how do you motivate to practice, and a um, lot of questions like that, or, and you can just tell you that, um, it, oh, yeah, so how, how do you, and, so, and then there's questions like, do you practice on moon days, like, and that's one of this ones, do you honor moon days, and then, um, Kind of, they're asking me about rules, basically, about following the rules, and um, and I can tell you that what motivates me to practice is basically setting a high priority on doing whatever I want. <laughs> for as long or as short as I want. Okay, so my, how, how long I practice at each time I practice is ridiculously variable. Okay, I, sometimes I go outside and do one sun salutation, and that's the end of it. And then other times I'm there for two and a half hours. Okay, so it's very variable how much I practice. How much, and, um, but to me, the more important question is, uh, it's about motivation. Okay, and it's also about rule following. Okay, and so I want to say a few words about this to you. Okay, so one is, is that there's, a ton of rules in yoga. Okay, you, you can say yoga is a system of rules. All right? And, and they all, and, and there's a kind of spectrum. Okay, and you could say that it goes from a superficial spectrum to uh, deep. Superficial to deep. Okay, but and that the superficial and the deep are connected, but at the same time, 
they're not. <laughs> and, and in the sense that they're not connected, there's a hierarchy of rules. Okay? So that, and you want to think like that. When you go through the list of rules, which are the most important and which are the least important? Okay, and what surprises me about people's questions often is that they ask me about rules that I do not consider a priority at all. Okay, like practicing on the moon day. Who cares? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't care. It's like practice on a moon day or don't. Okay, and, and I'm sorry, I get, I get a little heated, all right, but don't just withstand the heat. I'm, I'm a softie, too. Okay, and, and you see, some of the rules really do get me riled up, but it's only a, a kind of momentary reaction because every rule, actually, especially ones that last, it has some logic somewhere even if it becomes kind of misinterpreted or, or somehow it seems illogical or doesn't make sense. So I do try to like understand the logic behind the rule. So anyway, I want to uh, just, I have a poem for you that I wrote about this. Okay, and sorry, but I'm gonna, before I read that poem, I want to say one other thing to you. The deep, I'm going to give you an example of the deep rule of yoga. Okay, the, the deepest rule, like one, is that uh, karma, the law of karma. Okay, so, so in yoga, you live your life as though every action you take um, has consequences. And that those consequences are not random or arbitrary. That, so it, the law of karma says that, that every action leads to its um, necessary outcome. And so basically that's saying if you do bad, right, bad is going to come to you. And if you do good, you're going to accumulate merit. And, that, and it's not, uh, this is a law of the universe. And it's a hidden law, okay? Because when you look around, you, there's so much corruption, um, so much injustice, so much suffering. And it, it, when you look, it doesn't look like there's cause and effect. It doesn't look like if you do bad, you get bad. Okay, but, but the yogi sets up his whole life on, based on trusting that knowledge and that um, reality, that basis of reality. Okay, that's a rule to live by. That's a rule you don't go breaking easily. That's a rule you care. <laughs> okay? And, and, and so, so, what you, so if you find these profound rules in yoga, that, you, that are in the yamas and the niyamas, the first um, limbs of yoga, then those are, you can say they're abstract. Okay, they're, at least they're, they're, 
you can read about them, but they don't, they don't give you necessarily concrete examples of how to, how to come to a place of, say, ahimsa, where you, you are able to resist um, anger and revenge and lashing out. Okay? And this is why there's those four branches of yoga. And then those four branches of yoga, they each have their rules. So there's all these hatha yoga rules. Okay, and then there's ashtanga, and it has its set of rules. Okay, and so, and those rules, the rules of ashtanga, they make a difference because they, they help you to learn hatha yoga. And then the hatha yoga rules make a difference because they help you to learn yoga. So, so the superficial rules, though they may be less important compared to the bigger rules, they're connected. Okay? And so you have to learn to respect the rules. But you also have to be a thinking person and not just follow them blindly. Because the, to get to an experience of the deeper uh, philosophy of yoga, like what yoga is actually trying to teach you, Beyond learning triangle pose or bandhas. It's a very, very individual thing. You see, this, and this is, uh, it's built into the, it's in it. Okay, it's not, this isn't something I'm making up. Okay, and um, it goes back to when I said, I was talking about the limits. Okay, everybody, we all have our limits but we, and we all have the exact equipment we need to walk the path that's been laid out for us. Okay? Every person has a different way to go, a different life to live. Okay? And, and part of yoga is to trust that individual way that you've been given. Okay? And this is the juxtaposition between... Um, like following the Ashtanga system. See, because a lot of your questions are around that. It's like, how can I be a good Ashtanga student? And yet, right? And, and so, you're, so you're trying to negotiate that. You're trying to understand Ashtanga as a Hatha Yoga system and follow it to the best of your ability. But at the same time, you've got to customize it because you've got this whole individual set of limits. And this is a beautiful thing. Okay, and it's built into it. And I'm going to give you an example. At every, at every step from the most superficial, the most um, literal and physical application of practice to the most um, deep and profound and abstract. And like the samadhi. Okay, samadhi is the eighth limb, right? And the word itself, it means absorption. Okay, and... And absorption, okay, and so, so, so samadhi, though, it normally gets translated as um, like this deep concentration, right? It's a very kind of um, almost generic or uh, rational kind of definition where you focus on your chosen object to the point where subject and object disappear. Right? That's samadhi. Right? When, 
you can, and it's like a chitta vritti nirodaha. It's like the stopping the mind activity, stopping thinking, because you're so absorbed in the object of your uh, attention. Okay, but what they don't focus on is samadhi, the absorption means uh, to be fascinated with. It means uh, to cast a spell upon. It, it means to be enraptured. <laughs> okay? Now, now look at this. Okay, fascination and uh, in, when, you're, when you experience rapture, that is a very subjective feeling. Okay? That's you feeling immense joy. Okay? And this is important. You see, so you... So at every level of the practice, you liking it, Yours and is is absolutely essential. Okay, so if you're asking how can I be motivated, somehow you're not enjoying it enough. Yeah, you have not tweaked it to the right degree and taken the reins of it for yourself. Okay, and um, in the Yoga Sutras, it's it's amazing. There's there's a powerful sutra. It's number seventeen. One, on the first chapter. And it gives you four ways to create samadhi, to go into this state of absorption. And two of them are, are more like what I was just talking about. They're very um, rational. They're like, it's called vitarka, where you basically compare and measure. Okay, so it's very um, analytical. It's, so your mind, you focus your mind by analysis. But to, the other two are... Um, bliss, and just the word asmita, which is I amness. So do you understand that you loving what you do is absolutely essential to this. You loving what you do supersedes rules. <laughs> okay? And Okay, so now I've got, I've got these couple of poems for you. So one is, to make your way and be happy, you must live in two opposite worlds at the same time. Okay, so I, I, I'm giving you this poem. This is David. This is me and my experience of practicing yoga and embracing Ashtanga yoga, even though I'm a renegade. Okay? So it goes, to make your way and be happy, you must live in two opposite worlds at the same time. In one word, world, you follow the rules. Okay, in one world, you follow the rules. In the other, you make up the rules. <laughs> All right, and you're doomed. You are doomed if you only follow the rules or only make up the rules. Okay, so it's the combination of following and making up the rules that puts you in the driver's seat of your inward quest to the sacred center of you. <laughs> okay, listen to that last line. 
It's the combination of following and making up rules that puts you in the driver's seat of your inward quest to the sacred center of you. See, me, I am so thankful for Ashtanga that it's not just David out in his backyard making it all up as he goes. No, I, I rely on Ashtanga and Hatha Yoga and yoga itself. But I also completely go my own way. Okay, and then the next poem is this. See, and this, I'm telling you right from my heart on this. And it's through, for my, for, this is a deep experience I have had. And I feel that the universe contrived for me to have it. So it's, there's no one, no one in this wide world who has a more direct pipeline to God than you. <laughs> okay? You are the best one out of anyone to know how to chart your course inward to the land of spirit at your center. So then be strong during the many times that you doubt or fear or panic. And be strong, be strong. When you begin to think that someone else besides you needs to tell you what to do or how to do it or, e or even who you are. So go through the list of possible candidates, the ones you might fall into thinking that know better than you. Go through the list. So like there's parents, teachers, leaders, uh, methods, groups, organizations, influencers, oh, whatever, go through that list and draw a line through each name. <laughs> okay? There's only one name you want. Yours. And so remember, remember, you are connected. So, no. Remember your power. And remember that you're connected to divine love. Always. Whether you know it or not, and whether you want it or not, you're connected to divine love. Always. Okay, so th that, th that's my answer to so many of your questions. You guys, you got it. Just trust yourself and find what you love in that. So, and hopefully you've, you've been accurate enough in your uh, search that, that Hatha Yoga really is a good fit for you that with some tweaking, you can like not have a problem motivating for practice because you, you're doing what you want to do. But some of you, you may even go out of Hatha Yoga. It doesn't do it for you. Go ride a bike or who knows what. There's many paths. 
okay, you're, you're in the driver's seat. And Ashtanga is there as a helper to you, not as a shackler. Hope that helps you. And um, I, yeah, because I sincerely, uh, I love this practice. And uh, I think it can help a lot of people. And so you just have to pro approach it well. Um, all right. So have a good day. And hopefully we'll do this again soon. Oh, and uh, I will tell you, I have uh, a backbending course coming up. It'll be, it should be very excellent. Um, it's in all levels. And yet, we're exploring the backbends of Ashtanga from first, second, and third series. But it's also all level, right? So even the, we'll be taking things in um, baby steps. And um, so, so, really good work there. Uh, what are the dates, Meg? Um, I just put the link in the chat. But it'll be on Saturdays, November 27th through Saturday, December 18th starting at 9.30 Eastern Standard to 11 a.m. Yeah, so I'd love to have you uh, join in on that. And really, the main uh, prerequisite is uh, curiosity about backbends and then just wanting to do some classes focusing on that. And I'll be giving a lot of different options. And, um, yeah. Okay, so... I'm going to sign off, so have a nice, nice day, and I will see you soon.